Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are continuing our training camp preview of the Giants' various position units. And here to help me break it all down is Nick Filato. He is a writer for GiantsCountry.com for Big Blue View. Um, he is a podcast host with Dan Schneier on uh, Big Blue Vanter. So he's all, he, and I think he, he also does stuff for this, for uh, inside the pylon. So Nick is really re- good when it comes to breaking down all this stuff. And Nick, my friend, glad to have you back on the podcast. Pat, thanks as always. It's always great to talk shop with you. Always, my friend. So today we're going to talk running backs. Uh, we talked quarterbacks uh, on the last show, so we're going to turn our attention to running backs. And Nick, I think I think we've got to start off with Saquon Barkley. Obviously, he is the the main guy, and uh, you know he's two. This he's going on his uh, his third season here. Um, last year, a lot of injury stuff and whatnot, but still, when you look at Saquon's overall game, what areas do you think he still needs to get better in? He's still a very young player, but when you have the athletic capabilities and the overall athletic ability that he has, the sky is literally the limit with a player like Saquon Barkley. Now, I want to see him use more in the receiving game a little bit, especially on arrow and Texas type routes, and I hope that those things are kind of implemented with Jason Garrett's offense. But when it comes to his specific skill set and some of the things that he should could possibly get better with. I think there were times, and it's kind of hard to evaluate because the offensive line was kind of a mess throughout most of last season, and he was dealing with an injury, so you don't know the extent of that, even though he doubled down and he said, you know, hey, I'm out there playing. He did the whole Derek Jeter, if I'm out there playing, I'm healthy kind of thing. It's very respectable, but given what we know about Saquon Barkley and how just the running game never really got going last year, it's hard to not think, hey, maybe that ankle was kind of bothering him, that high ankle sprain that he – suffered in the Tampa Bay game in week three last year. But I think he could maybe be a little bit better with his decisiveness on picking holes, especially when they were running that Pat Shermer inside zone. I think there were times where there was a little crevice that he could take to either the A or the B gap. Maybe you pick up four or five yards, get lucky, break a tackle, and you know get even more. But sometimes, because he, he did this all the time in college, he could bounce it outside and outrun everybody. And sometimes he tries doing that in the NFL – And it doesn't really get him anywhere because the speed of the NFL is so much, you know, more advanced than the college football game. But even then, sometimes when he does bounce it outside, it's kind of wild to think about because he'll break a tackle of the contained defender, especially if that forced defender, that contained defender is a defensive back, like a cornerback or something like that, because he is so physical. We saw that against the Lions game where he broke a tackle and then another defensive back ran up to him and he literally used his inside arm to just slam the defensive back on the ground to pick up an extra few yards. So there's really, in my opinion, and honestly, you know, he had a down sophomore year due to a couple different variables. But in my opinion, I honestly think he's the best running back in the NFL. And he hasn't even had that full-on just breakout boom type year yet. That's still to come. But a player with the kind of athletic capabilities that he has, the sky is the limit. I'm really excited about him with the Giants for these next couple seasons. If the Giants decide, even if the Giants don't decide to retain him, he's going to reset the running back market and get paid the highest contract the running back's ever been paid because he's just that good. So I'm 
if there are, if, it, if I had to single one thing out, I would say it's probably that decisiveness, especially on the zone, inside zone type run. Because sometimes when they ran wide zone or outside zone, I didn't see as much indecisiveness, but it was in that inside zone. And again, other variables come into this, especially the one, the big one, that is the Giants offensive line really wasn't that effective with the inside zone under Pat Shermer. Yeah, indeed. And how many times did we see Saquon make something out of nothing uh, with that inside zone? I mean, it's a miracle that he got to over a thousand yards there. You know, when we when we go and we listen to what head coach Joe Judge says about players and the goal is going to be to put the players in the best position, you know, tell me what they can do as opposed to what they can't do. So if you're resetting the whole usage of Saquon Barkley, and I know you touched upon this a little bit, you mentioned, you know, getting him more involved in the passing game, you mentioned, uh, you know, more outside zone runs and whatnot. What are some of the other things that you maybe increase in his game this year in the offense versus what you decrease that he's done in the past? So from what you decrease, I mean, he received a ton of carries and he's going to, he's going to be the bell cow back. He's not somebody that you're going to want to spell over and over again, but football is a game of attrition. If you suffer an injury early, like he did, then you might want to try to use other running backs. Now the Giants had a slight time last year where they could do that, but then Wayne Goldman suffered that injury and the Giants were left in basically running back purgatory outside of with Saquon Barkley, you had guys like John Hilleman behind Saquon. So he kind of had to bear the load, even though he maybe was not 100%. So I'm looking for maybe, now that you bring in Deion Lewis, if Saquon breaks off, you know, a 25-yard run, you can kind of bring him off the field. You can bring Deion Lewis on, use him in either a short receiving role, use him in pass protection, something that he's shown to, despite his diminutive size relative to other running backs. He's really, really good in pass protection. So you can kind of utilize Deion Lewis in that way. Maybe if Javon Leak uh, uh, makes a squad, you can use him in a receiving role and maybe in a simple one-cut kind of like running scheme because that's something that he excelled on at Maryland. But in terms of Saquon, I would like to see him use more in space. I want uh, not just with screens, but like I was talking about earlier, those Texas routes, those routes over the middle. Get him mismatched when you're going up against man coverage. Get him mismatched against the linebacker. That linebacker is not going to be able to cover Saquon beyond a certain amount of yardage because Saquon's athletic ability is just so far superior to most linebackers, all linebackers, really, it seems like, in the NFL. So if you can utilize that mismatch with the other mismatches that you have and the other solid receivers that you have, especially with the intermediate, short intermediate targets of Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, you got a more deep-ish threat, you could say, with Darius Slayton, and then you got Evan Ingram, who, again, like Saquon Barkley, is a mismatch nightmare. So if teams don't have that many athletic second-level defenders, safeties, hybrid linebacker kind of types, and you have Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley out there, and they're playing man coverage, who's going to, which one are you going to cover? You can pick your poison there. And then you can have the other one take advantage of the less athletic second-level defenders. So those are ways that you can kind of maximize both of them being used in conjunction with each other on the field. And that's something that I like. But, uh, I, again, I think getting him used in a more creative way over the middle of the field in space, allowing him to use, you know, two – he has two options. He can go inside. He can go outside in man coverage. And, I mean, <laughs> good luck trying to tackle Saquon Barkley in space, especially if he has had a momentum. And when it comes to – not necessarily Joe Judge, but Jason Garrett's offense. Now, Jason Garrett, they run more, I would say, gap power than what Pat Shermer did. Pat Shermer didn't run as much. He, he ran the one play a lot where he would take Will Hernandez into the sixth hole and then the, the tackle, which was usually Mike Remmers and Kevin Zeitler, tackle guard combination, would 
double down, climb the linebacker on the three technique, and then the tight end, whether it would be Rhett Ellison or Evan Ingram or even Caden Smith, would have to base block the the outside defender. And then Will Hernandez would be the lead blocker to the six hole. That was the main power gas scheme that they ran a lot. I think you're going to see more of it, but still, Jason Garrett, especially the last couple of seasons with Ezekiel Elliott and that Dallas offensive line, they still ran a lot of outside zone, a lot of wide zone. We saw that in week nine against the Giants, where it was Leonard Williams' first game with the New York Giants. And what happened? They ran the ball down the Giants' throats. So they do run a lot of zone as well, especially inside wide, or I mean, outside and wide zone. So I expect to see a lot more of that. I expect to see a lot more duo blocking as well, which is like power without the polar. It's a little bit more vertical. So they really try to drive uh, offensive or defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage. So I think you're going to see a little bit more elements like that. And I think Saquon Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley can just thrive in really any system that you put him in. Again, the decisiveness is something that he can work on, but still someone with his, with his capabilities can still have a lot of success depend- or with whatever Jason Garrett wants to run. What about um, pass blocking? I mean, obviously, if you're going to put Saquon on the field uh, every play, you know, there are going to be instances where you're going to ask him to do pass blocking. And I don't know, to me, when I watch him on film, that was never really a a, a big strength of his. I mean, it wasn't that he was horrible at it, but I don't know that I would necessarily work him. You know, I I have a theory with, with Saquon, work him smarter, not harder. I mean, do you see the same thing with him in pass blocking? I, I do, and I think that's one reason why they brought Deion Lewis in. But at the same time, you don't want to just spell Deion Lewis for Saquon Barkley and then just leave Lewis to the block the whole time. It's just going to be a telltale sign that Lewis is going to be in for pass protection. And obviously, you don't really want to leave Saquon Barkley off the field too often when uh, it's passing situation. I think you may see a little bit more 20 personnel, 21 personnel with both maybe like split back and shotgun, something like that with. Deion Lewis and Saquon Barkley on the field. But when it comes to Barkley's pass protection, I felt like he did a a better job IDing it. He made a couple glaring mistakes in his second season with IDing it. But one of the bigger mistakes that he definitely did have in pass protection was he would ID it. He would put himself in position to block it, but then he just wouldn't execute the block well. He would actually, despite how strong he looked and his physical demeanor, he would get bullied at the point of attack. And, you know, none is more uh, coming to my mind than the Jamal Adams game against the Jets. Jamal Adams did that twice to Saquon Barkley, where he ID'd the blitz, he saw it coming, he put himself in a position to make the block, but he couldn't execute the block. And I don't think that is necessarily, you know, Saquon Barkley wasn't trying or anything like that. He's putting his full effort into it, but he just not, he just doesn't have the technique down on how to just anchor himself into the ground, deliver a hit, pop right back, and be balanced and sturdy. He got bullied back. And that happened a couple times in the A-gap as well. And there were a few instances where he didn't ID it correctly or a stunt and twist really confused the blocking scheme, including him, the six-man protection that the Giants had in place. And the center and the guard either made one mistake and Saquon couldn't, wasn't, I guess, up to speed enough to adapt to that mistake. So it was just that entire blocking protection wasn't, in sync with each other, which has been something that has been a problem with the Giants' offensive line. And when it comes to protections, you've got to include the running back when it's a six-man protection. And Saquon Barkley has something that he needs to improve on. I thought he did better IDing the blitz this season in most accounts, but he has to be better at executing the block. 
You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Nick Volano of Giants Country, Big Blue View, Big Blue Banter, and a host of others. We're going to take our first break, come back, and we're going to talk more about the Giants running back as we get you ready for, hopefully, uh, Giants training camp starting on time in July. Stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Nick Filato, who's a writer for GiantsCountry.com and SI.com Sports Channel. He's a writer for Big Blue View, um, host, co-hosts a, a podcast with uh, Dan Schneier, CBS Sports, Big Blue Banter, and he's helping me get you ready, breaking down each Giants position unit, the strengths, the weaknesses, what to look for, surprises, all that good stuff. Nobody does it better than Nick, so glad to have him with me. And Nick, I've got to ask you, let's turn our attention to, to some of the backups. And the one guy I think a lot of people are wondering what happened to is Wayne Gallman. So in your study of him, what do you think happened to him? Why did he kind of drop off the face of the planet, so to speak, in the Giants running game? So Wayne Gallman, as most of us know, when he was not drafted by Dave Gettleman. He was drafted by Jerry Reese. He was drafted by that regime. So he's not, you can say, a Dave Gettleman guy. You see this a lot in the NFL when new regimes come through, players that were drafted by the old regime, if they're not featured players, may fall by the wayside. I'm not saying that's, that's not, I'm not saying that's what happened this year, but Saquon Barkley gets injured in that Buccaneers game. And the next week against Washington, Wayne Gallman goes out and he plays pretty well. He played really respectably. I want to say he had a couple touchdowns. I want to say he had over 100 yards in that game. I don't have the stats in front of me, though, but he played really well. And then the next week, he gets hurt against the Vikings, and you kind of never really hear from him again. And that's just kind of the nature of it. And shortly after, Saquon Barkley came back, and the Giants kind of rode him the rest of the season. And I don't, I don't want to say that – Gallman has anything through his own fault that he's done. I think the Giants rushing attack last year was the biggest weakness on the team. And Gallman's skill set isn't comparable to Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was able to get over a thousand yards because he's Saquon Barkley. He's able to put himself in a position to succeed despite the fact that his teammates may not be executing at the level that you typically need for regular starters or regular type players in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? So Saquon Barkley is able to bring the Giants rushing attack to a level that's up here, you know, metaphorically. And Wayne Gallman is a little bit down here. Not necessarily his fault, but he's just not that kind of player. So I think the injury definitely hurt his ability to kind of stick on this roster. And uh, he's, he's another player. He's young, he's younger running back who is not with a team that has a general manager that drafted him. I think that's going to be something that hurts him. And he's one of the bigger question marks when you look at this, this running back room right now, because the Giants brought in Deion Lewis. The Giants brought in a couple undrafted free agents, you could say, Javon Leak. And then they got Sandro Platzgomer from the, uh, the foreign, the foreign, I don't even know how to, what would be the expansion. It would be some kind of a. The international gateway. Yeah. The international gateway is the, correct terms. So the Giants were able to get a couple guys, a couple younger guys, and Gallman might be on that roster bubble, but if training camp were to go on as normal and he would, you know, prove that he deserves to be there, I'm sure he would have earned a spot on this roster. And I still think he's a talented running back. I don't think he's washed up by any means. He just hasn't been put in a great position to succeed. You know, that's interesting because they 
you know, as you mentioned, they brought in Dion Lewis, and it looks like Dion Lewis is going to be the the primary backup to Saquon Barkley. I'm just wondering, what does Lewis do better than Gallman? I mean, he, he's a little older; he probably has a little bit more tread on his tires. What's the appeal there, um, other than maybe because I think he worked with Joe Judge at some point, or you know, is, is there something in his skill set that just makes them think that he might be a better option than Gallman? I think he's been around. He has some championship pedigree. Obviously, he has a familiarity with the coaching staff. And I think he's just a savvy player. Like, I think when you look at Deion Lewis, he's athletically, it seems like the last couple of years, especially his years in Tennessee, he's dried up a little bit. He doesn't have that same burst, that same explosiveness that we grew to see in New England. But something that he does still have is an ability to utilize patience really well, especially when you're running interior an ability to kind of see, use vision as a running back and break on holes. Now that burst isn't quite there, so that kind of hinders his ability to do that, but his vision and his savviness as a ball carrier is still really, really high. I think he is a good route runner. I think he has pretty good hands as well, so he can like receive the ball really well in the backfield, in those short hook zones, in the flat, but his athletic ability doesn't allow him to break those long runs like we used to see from him. And I think he may have some value on special teams if they decide to use him in protections or something along those lines that doesn't really have the burst or anything like that to be a kick returner anymore. But he's just a smart player who Joe Judge is familiar with and Joe Judge more than likely trusts really well. So I think all those things lead to him at least getting on that 90-man roster and hopefully earning a spot, in his case, for the uh, Giants 55, which would be 53, but, you know, 55, since they're bringing up two more practice squad dudes, which Javon Leak might be one of those guys. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Leak in a a little bit. But um, one thing I've always been kind of curious about is the Giants have carried a fullback on the roster, but they really don't use the guy that much. And I'm just wondering – why carry a fullback? I mean, you've studied Jason Garrett's system. I know he had a fullback in Dallas. I don't think they used him as much. So why even bother with the roster spot? Why not have a tight end back there to do it? Or better yet, you know, ask, uh, I don't know, Dion Lewis or one of the other running backs to do that type of work. What What's the advantage here? It, it gives you an advantage in the flexibility to run eye formation or weak eye or strong eye or whatever you want to do. And Dallas did utilize a fullback. I want to say last year it was Jamez Olawale. He used to be with the Raiders. And in those short yarded situations or on what really you could do it on a second 10 even if you want to just pretend like you're going to run and get yourself to a third advantage or and then manageable. And if you're feeling risky, you can hit it with a play action. I feel like it allows you to run the ball. And somebody like Elijah Penny, who used to be a halfback, he's somebody who has kind of grown the ability to be a lead blocker and execute that at a solid level. So having somebody who has that skill set and can still, you know, receive the ball and even rush the ball if needed, which we saw last year when Saquon Barkley was injured and John Hillman wasn't getting it done up there in Foxborough, I believe that you can have that flexibility to run the football because he can block and he can do these things that someone like Deion Lewis wouldn't necessarily be able to do. So having him on that roster gives you that warm and fuzzy. Plus, they can also be key protectors on special teams, on pump block, and things like that. And uh, or yeah. protection, I should say, kick protection, stuff like that. 
Yeah, he was pretty good on on uh, the core special teams. As a matter of fact, I remember there was one week in particular um, that he and Cody Core and just all the special teams they were just phenomenal. Uh, they they basically saved the game for the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, um, with with their performance. You know, we, we mentioned uh, some of these young guys, and and I, I want to talk about John Hilleman. You know, they they gave him a contract to come back. Um, I believe it was a futures contract. Um, he had the ball security issues last year, but what is salvageable about his game that you think, you know, warrants another look? I mean, I think he's a physical runner, but I, I honestly don't necessarily think he's going to make this team. I mean, I, I like the story because he went to Rutgers and obviously being a guy from Jersey myself, I have an affinity for Rutgers football and I love how he was an undrafted dude who was able to make this team. But I'm looking at the Giants this year, you have a whole new coaching staff coming in and I have brought in some of these younger running backs. You signed Deion Lewis. You still have Wayne Gallman there. I think it would be hard for John Hillman to beat out Wayne Gallman on this roster. Grant Wayne Gallman's kind of the curious case when you look at all these things. But I think he has a lot to work on. He was also put into another tough spot with the Giants offensive line, and his start was against the Patriots up in Foxborough. Obviously, like you alluded to, he had those fumbling issues. That's something that can be corrected. We saw Tom Coughlin correct that with Tiki Barber, but I, I'm not, he, his, he has an uphill climb, something I guess I will say, to make this team. Anything's possible. Injuries can happen, but I would say that uh, he has an uphill climb to uh, crack the roster. And we've been talking about, you mentioned Javon League a few times. This is a guy who I think could slip onto the roster. I mean, if, if for no other reason, um, he, he brings the kickoff return ability and, and and he's a very shifty type of a runner. What do you like about his game? The electric, the electric playmaking. I mean, Maryland had Anthony McFarland who was drafted on day three last year as a running back and they had Jamal Leak as his backup and they would spell him uh, in every now and again. And he was just a one cut running back. He sees a hole, he hits the hole and he's able to accelerate past second level defenders pretty well especially in like when he has wider space. Now, is he going to be able to do that consistently in the NFL? Maybe not, but he has that electric playmaking ability and that burst and that acceleration, that ability to hit a hole and go that we just absolutely love to see. Obviously, Saquon Barkley has this, but you're not going to Saquon Barkley be your kick returner. So on kick returns, you have somebody who can kind of hit a crease, find a little crease, hit it, and go. That's something that is just underrated for a team, something that I feel like the Giants have struggled to find unless it was with someone like Odell Beckham Jr. or like a really good player who you don't really want to put him out there and put him in, in harm's way, per se. Someone like Javon League, I think he can be this kick returner, this punt returner for the New York Giants in 2020. And I even think, you know, as he progresses, as he kind of learns the nuances of playing the running back, as Burton Burns gets him up to speed on being a professional running back, I think that he can really be maybe even used later in the season on offense. Especially, like I said before, maybe in like 21 personnel packages, you have split back. You you can even split Evan Ingram out wide to kind of spread the defense out. And then you have linebackers, second-level defenders against Saquon Barkley and Javon Leak. Have both those guys go out in space if the protection can hold up and then give them choice routes or something along those lines. And those linebackers are going to be really stressed to cover the athletic capabilities of both those players. And like I said before, if the team only has one athletic linebacker, the other one can possibly take advantage of it. So it's just a game of mismatches that football is. And if you have talented players like both those guys out there, fast players, quick players, and Leak gets up to speed, could be something dangerous in certain situations in football. 
You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest Nick Filato. He is a writer for Giants Country Big Blue View and a podcaster. We're going to take our final break as we talk about the Giants running back game, getting you ready and previewing that particular unit. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment three of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. Nick Filato is joining me. He is a writer on Giants Country, Big Blue View. He is a co-host of Big Blue Banter podcast with Dan Schneier of CBS Sports. And uh, Nick, tell me a little bit about Burton Burns. You know, we don't really talk too much about the coaching aspect of it, but in Burton Burns, this is a guy that has a very storied background, a successful background in developing pro-ready um, NFL running backs. And he just, based on what you know from, from uh, you know, the college game and the various running backs that he's coached over the years, what do you think he might bring to the Giants running back room that maybe didn't exist prior? So the interesting thing about Burton Burns, he was with Clemson for many years, and then he went to Alabama from 2007 to 2017. He was there. That was his last time coaching. So that's one concern I have is he's been out of coaching for several seasons, and he's no spring chicken either. I want to say he's in his early 60s, but he's been around football, been around great football minds for many, many years, and he developed really all, all those running backs that have come from Alabama. He's helped develop guys like Mark Ingram and players like that that are still in the league and have been in the league for 10 plus years. So he's been around really good guys. He's able to extract a lot out of them. He has, I want to say, five national championships. So he knows a thing or two about coaching football. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that he can do. He can just kind of really help these younger players, maybe even someone like Wayne Goldman on the roster, and maybe even help guys like Saquon Barkley really maximize the immense potential that they have. So I think that he can really just teach and inculcate the decisiveness, the nuance of the running back position and not just, uh, and not just, you know, the, you know, run, obviously he's, uh, I've heard at least, I've never been coached by him, but I've heard he's a motivator. He's somebody who really, you know, the players want to play for and he doesn't demand respect. He gets respect from these players. The players all respect him. And that's another thing that I think is underrated because you can't stand your position coach. That could be something that is a hairy situation in the locker room. So I think Burns is definitely somebody who's going to come in and he's going to teach these guys how to really be a professional running back and not just, you know, all oh, run hard, hit the hole, but actually the nuances of the position from every aspect. And that includes pass blocking. When you look at this group of running backs as a whole that the Giants have, and again, we don't know who's going to be on the final roster, but just in general, what are the things that you think uh, will really be emphasized in the in the uh, offense? And what are your biggest concerns, maybe something that's missing or not as developed as well in this particular group? Something that's not developed as well. I love the fact that they added Deion Lewis. I think that was a a wise move because it is a savvy person, just someone different from Saquon Barkley, who's still a young player that can kind of come in and help these younger players progress. I think that you have a lot just having Saquon Barkley in the building. I think just having someone like that is an incredible advantage, obviously, because he can do so many different things and he gives your offense so many different just options is something I'll say. But I'm trying to think of things that they actually lack. They have the receiving capabilities of them. I think some of their younger players are a little bit too young to really be able to tell. And Wayne Gallman's kind of a huge question mark. So I don't necessarily 
know exactly what they would lack. I guess you could say a consistent one-two punch, which is a common thing that you see in the NFL these days. It's kind of an ability. It gives your team the ability to not have your one running back just getting bruised time and time again, getting, you know, 25, 30 touches, and then they can't even walk on Monday because they're so sore. That can really, you know, hurt his long-term health and his short-term health for a running back. The Giants don't necessarily have that one-two punch. I don't see Deion Lewis as that kind of guy. They have more of that bell cow approach. That's why guys like Saquon Barkley are going to be top two, three picks in fantasy football drafts because they get so many touches. And it's good for fantasy football, but it could be harmful for the long-term health of the player and it could lead to something like we saw last year where he gets dinged up. Now, with that said, Saquon Barkley goes down with another high ankle sprain or something like that. Giants are looking at a really, a really scary situation, kind of. Cause you have Deion Lewis, who's older, who couldn't really do, he couldn't really be that spellback for Derrick Henry last season. 2008, 2018, it wasn't that bad, but 2019, it wasn't really his role. I think there was one game, I think it was the Saints game, where Derrick Henry was injured, and and um, Deion Lewis filled in for him, and. It was the Saints defense, which is a really, really good run defense. Deion Lewis didn't do terrible, but that's an extended period of time. I, that's not something that's going to go over necessarily well. So you would really have to rely on the question mark right now, which is Wayne Gallman. So I would say if the one thing that they're missing is that solid, really, really dependable, like, okay, I feel really good about going in with the number two, just because there are question marks surrounding Wayne Gallman's status on the roster now if those are legitimate question marks i'm not really 100 percent sure it just could be fodder because just by judging by goldman's skill set it's something that i appreciate i think he has a lot to give to a football team but we'll see if he actually cracks the roster uh this year this year in 2020 indeed i'm gonna be curious to see if that happens as well um final question for you nick we saw it with Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants tended to maybe over-rely, I think, on Beckham because he was just such an amazing talent, a general, uh, a, a generational talent. Um, is there a danger, do you think, with the Giants potentially over-relying on Saquon Barkley? I think there was a danger for sure. But now that the Giants had this season where he was injured, and obviously the guy's not Superman, even though he was able to come back at a really in a prompt manner, which, you know, kudos to him. But I think now that you have Daniel Jones and he's your quarterback, you're going to rely on that running game. But you're also going to try to open this offense up and get the most out of these weapons that you have. You have three really solid receivers. Okay, three really solid receivers. And then you have a tight end that has kind of been underutilized. And he has also dealt with injuries. So that's another factor, too. But... I think that they're going to try to make Daniel Jones comfortable. How do you make Daniel Jones comfortable? You're going to utilize the running game, but you're going to utilize that play action too. You're going to try to open things up, get easy reads for the kid, and then just allow the offense to kind of flow. You want to get a lead, and you want to run the ball towards the end of the football game. But first, you need to get a lead. You need your defense to be able to maintain that lead. Can the defense do that? Not really 100% sure. When it comes to Saquon, I think the Giants are going to use him as much as they possibly can, that's safe. I don't think they want to necessarily overburden him. And I think Daniel Jones is competent enough to where you don't need to overburden him. Say like DeMarco Murray, 2014, uh, Dallas Cowboys. I don't think you necessarily, or 2000, yeah, I think it was 14. You don't necessarily need to do that, but I think you can just use him to as much as you can while still being cognizant, still being wise about his health. I mean, 
I think the Giants are going to want to probably resign Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's early to say this, but it seems like they're in love with the kid and he says all the right things. has a great head on their shoulders. I think you're going to possibly want to bring that guy back. You don't want to just run him dry in these first couple seasons. Well, I know one thing's for sure, and we didn't talk about it, but and we will, but uh, certainly the improvement on the offensive line, I think, is going to open up a whole new dimension for the running game because, you know, again, you look at what Saquon Barkley was able to do all by his lonesome uh, with very little help last year. And and then you look at, you know, the potential of this offensive line, which obviously we have to see how they come together, but um, very promising, I would think. It's definitely very promising. And that's one of the biggest things. Last year, Saquon Barkley would get the ball. And a lot of times there was someone in his face like right away because defenses were really keying on, okay, if it's like, that's why like they were really keen on, if we get the ball, uh, if Saquon Barkley looks like he's getting the ball, shoot the gaps. I saw it a lot in the Jets game. I saw it a lot in the Jets game where Greg Williams had those linebackers. Basically, any time Daniel Jones turned his back and he was handing the ball off, those linebackers were inside the gaps. And there were times where Will Hernandez and Spencer Pulley, they were beat because they were trying to chip and help their teammates out, thinking that they could cover that gap. But the gap was shot so fast by linebackers like Copeland and Harvey Lange and not even these big-name guys. And they would hit... Saquon Barkley in the backfield. That's why Barkley had what? Did he even have like a yard in that game? It was it was one of his worst games in his professional career because Greg Williams' defense was so overly aggressive to stop the run. And the offensive line couldn't block or protect the gaps. They just weren't quick enough. And that's definitely an issue. And I think it's going to improve now that Hal Hunter's gone. You bring in Mark Colombo and you have a just in, you just infuse your offensive line with young talent. That's something that the Giants we've just been kind of preaching, can we please get some young guys in here to replenish this offensive line and make this a, a unit that can actually dominate the line of scrimmage once in a while? Something that we haven't seen in so long. Center position is a big question mark, though. So that's going to be a, that's going to be something because it's very, very important for the running game. It's very, very important to pass protection. And hopefully that they can get all of this situated. They're much better this year than they were last year, though. So that's something that's a fact, and that's going to be something that's going to put a smile on Saquon Barkley's face. You know, Nick, there was one other thing I, I, I neglected to ask you about, and I just want to quick cover it if I could. Last yeah. year, Barkley kind of hinted that the Giants were maybe trying to tinker with his running style. I don't remember the exact quote, but he kind of let it slip out, something to the effect where people were looking to change him. And he never you know, said the Giants coaches per se, but he kind of danced around that topic. And I'm just wondering, did you see – that in his game, were they trying to change how he ran the ball or was it, was it just maybe frustration of everything that was going on and trying to compensate for what they didn't have? I can't say what, what was going on behind closed doors. Maybe they were trying to change the way he runs, but that's not the reason why he didn't have success. The reason there wasn't success was because there just wasn't a lot of room to operate. Now, maybe they were trying to change and be like, look, take those two or three yards, hit the A-gap and just drive your legs, lower your shoulder, and take those two or three yards instead of these negative two-yard losses when you try to bounce it outside. Sometimes you get the negative two-yard losses. Sometimes they break it off for a 10-yard run. It's, so it's, it's kind of a gamble, but that could have been something that was being said behind closed doors, but I'm not back there, so I don't really want to make a definitive statement on it. I was just wondering, because like I said, it was something, uh, it just popped into my head because I seem to remember him uh, in, in speaking just kind of alluding to the fact that people try to change him. And I just wondered if maybe there was something that was going on that you noticed on film last year from, you know, 
from his rookie season to last year, did something change and just kind of pop out at you? No, not, nothing uh, in particular. I mean, he was, you know, just growing as a running back, getting used to that speed of the game, which he already basically had down on, in his rookie season. So nothing necessarily that just jumped out. I mean, I mean, week three is when he suffered that injury. Who knows when he was healthy after he came back to. So it happened really early on in the season. And that coincided, too, with the fact that Eli Manning and Daniel Jones changed over, which obviously does something to the protection, to the way the defense plays. It does a lot to how blitzes and stunts and twists kind of come in. So there are kind of a lot of variables on a lot of moving parts to really make a definitive uh, statement there. All right. Well, sounds good. Appreciate the uh, feedback as always. And Giant fans, appreciate you listening. Make sure you continue to tune in as Nick and I continue to break down. We're going to run down the rest of the position units as we get you closer to the projected starter training camp. It's projected because we still don't know if it's going to happen on time or what exactly is going to happen. Uh, that's a whole nother story. And actually, I, I wrote a scenario of uh, what I think is going to happen. You can see that on GiantsCountry.com. But uh, fingers crossed we have football. Nick, as always, a pleasure. And we will talk to you again soon. And Giant fans, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.